One of my favorite ways to unwind is by playing a game on my phone while I relax on the couch. And June's Journey is my new favorite as it combines several of my favorite things, finding hidden items, decor and design, and solving a murder. In June's Journey, you dive into June's captivating quest to uncover a scandalous hidden family secret while discovering the truth behind the unexplained death of her sister. As you uncover clues, you also get to build your own island estate with expansive gardens and beautiful buildings. You get to collect scraps of information to fill your photo album and learn more about each character. You get to chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. You'll even get the chance to play in a detective league to put your skills to the test. So can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. This episode contains adult themes and is not appropriate for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, the world. This is They Will Kill, a true crime podcast. I'm Courtney Eck. And I'm Sadie Eck. And we're sisters, and we love to talk about murder. We just love it. And so that's <laughs> what we're going to do for you today. Are you guys ready? Yes. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> I have to get my microphone closer. Oh, shit. She's getting in. She's getting in there. Uh-huh. there it's going to be an intense one if Sadie's <laughs> was just taking like the reins. feet away from my face. <laughs> Take it away, Eck, you maniac. All right. Uh, Tonight we're going to talk about the Mornington monster. Yep. I was right. Yep. So John and Anna Sharp seemed like your average Australian couple. Oh, God. The Australians. Scariest horror movies, worst murderers. Yes. Fuck. They met while working together at Commonwealth Bank in Mornington, Victoria. Anna, who was born in New Zealand in 1963, grew up with her parents and two brothers. When she met John, she was 31 years old, four years his senior. She was described as lively, vivacious, and thoughtful woman. Loudest train. Loudest train. Loudest everything. Oh, I found out that the scream birds are a nest of baby hawks, and they are <laughs> their parents aren't feeding them anymore, so they learn how to eat, uh, so they're just sitting up there just... Yep. Yep. She was described as, quote, a lively, vivacious, and thoughtful woman, a person who was concerned for the good of others. John was born February 28, 1967, in Mornington. He grew up with his parents, four older sisters and a younger brother. His parents were shopkeepers in town, and by all accounts, his childhood was unremarkable. At first, Anna wasn't sure about John. He was socially awkward and shy, but he seemed to really care about her. Anna's family described John as a, quote, deadbeat, but did their best to support her relationship. In October of 1994, the two married. Soon after the honeymoon, Anna told her mother that she thought she made a mistake, but she desperately wanted to make things work and stayed with her husband. (sighs) There's nothing worse than that. Mm -hmm. Well, the only thing worse than that is like realizing right before the wedding that you don't want to get married. Not from my personal experience, (laughs) even a little bit. Let me tell you. (laughs) You guys. No, I did have a friend who was like, the invitations were out. It was too late. Like, it's never too late. Never too late. Never too late. And even after it's done, if you 
you're like you just got out of your honeymoon if your honeymoon sucked uh-huh. get out yeah and your family doesn't really like him run you don't really like him no you yeah. should just stick it out that's what <laughs> good women do mm-hmm. just kidding <laughs> so seven years into their marriage anna became pregnant she was thrilled but john was furious they had originally agreed they didn't want children but Anna changed her mind once becoming a mom became a reality. John felt like she got pregnant without his consent. So this relationship is just on super sure footing. Just mm-hmm. doesn't like him, just betrayed him and got pregnant anyway. Mm-hmm. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. On August 13th, 2002, they welcomed their daughter, Gracie Louise Sharp, into the world. Gracie had a rough start to life. She was born with hip dysplasia, which required a brace to keep her joints in place. She wore this for the first few months of her life. Mm, buddy. This condition was not expected to create a long-term issue for her. However, as an infant, she was cranky, uncomfortable, and had difficulty sleeping. Anna quit her job to stay home full-time to care for her daughter. The stress of having a baby with higher needs began to strain John and Anna's marriage even more. Even after the braces were removed, Gracie still struggled with sleeping, and Anna eventually sought professional help to establish better sleeping patterns and to alleviate Anna's own anxiety. It sounds like they um, admitted her into a little like hospital with she and the baby were able to go. Wow! And get help and like sleep and learn wow. about sleeping. I know when I read that, I was like, "Oh my god, please!" <laughs> what like, a I concept! Need... <laughs> You're like, "Take me there now." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. I know. It's just, it's another uh, example of how shitty our healthcare system is. That's me moving to Australia right now. Mm-hmm. In September 2003, the couple purchased a new house. Uh, Gracie was 15 months old, and shortly after the move, Anna announced she was pregnant again. Rut row. Mm-hmm. This came as a complete surprise to John. The couple rarely had sex, and he didn't think they were intimate enough for Anna to become pregnant. <laughs> I mean... Just takes once, guys. Mm-hmm. It's not like a cumulative no. experience. Like you don't right. have to build build it up. No, it's possible he thought that she was having an affair and got pregnant as a result. Mm-hmm. He was not pleased to be having another baby and was becoming increasingly unhappy in an already unhappy marriage. According to friends, John went from being mild mannered and gentle to angry and combative with Anna. In early two thousand four, John purchased a high powered spear gun. Oh, and a God. second and a second spear at a local shop in Morrington. He had not previously shown an interest in spear fishing. He practiced firing the spear gun in the backyard to learn how it worked. I do not like the sounds of that. Nope. On the evening of March 19th, a friend of Anna stayed the night in their new home. She said nothing felt out of place between the couple, and despite the stress of the previous years, they seemed happy. In the days that followed, the family went to a nephew's birthday party. Anna had a long phone conversation with her mother in New Zealand and a close friend. Everyone who saw the family or talked to Anna said the conversations were, quote, normal, and she wasn't bothered or upset about anything. On the evening of March 23rd, John and Anna had a heated argument. According to John, he couldn't remember what the fight was about. Sometime between 9 and 10 p.m., the couple went to bed. Anna fell asleep, but John did not. He stayed awake. He laid next to Anna while brooding over what he thought to be a failing marriage. He then made the choice to go to the garage and retrieve his spear gun. Mm -mm. And go for a midnight fishing expedition. Mm. (sighs) As his wife slept, 
John loaded the spear gun and returned to their shared bedroom. He positioned the gun only centimeters from her left temple and fired it into her skull. Oh my god. He noticed Anna was still breathing, so John took the second spear, loaded it into the gun, and fired it next to the first shot. Oh my god. The second shot killed Anna. He then covered her body in towels so he didn't have to look at her and went downstairs and unfolded the sofa bed where he spent the night. What the fuck? Yeah. In the morning, he took Gracie to daycare and picked her up a few hours later. Later in the day, a TV repairman arrived as scheduled to fix a broken TV. While he worked, Anna's body was laying upstairs in the bedroom. That is so spooky. After he left, John made an attempt to remove the spears lodged into his pregnant wife's head. This proved to be too difficult, so he decided to unscrew the shafts and left the spears buried inside her skull. Ah, why would you try to take them out? Well, if you look at pictures, I can post some. It's a very long spear. Uh-huh. It's like feet long. Got it. So it's not like he was actually going to go spear fishing with the spears after the fact. He was just right. trying to make it easier to move her body. Right. But he couldn't get the spear head out, so he just removed the shaft. Why would you kill someone with a fishing spear? Yeah. Other than to just ruin my life with that image. Right. Right. So scary. So scary. Yeah. And, you know, that's a big question that came up a lot when I was reading it. And uh, they were saying that it's just access to firearms. Right. Right. You know, so they. Right. In Australia, can't. Like, so scary and awful. Yeah. Yeah. That's going to be very efficient like it'll Mm -hmm. probably do the job right he then dug a shallow grave in their backyard and buried her in the dirt at one point anna's mother called to talk john told her an elaborate tale of his wife leaving him for another man and that the baby she was pregnant with was not john's but belonged to the other guy Uh oh. he said he expected anna to return on sunday to pick up gracie Anna's mother was immediately concerned. Her daughter hadn't mentioned another man or plans to leave John. She also knew Anna would never leave Gracie with John. He was not a good father and never showed Gracie any real affection. Mm-hmm. The next day, John and Gracie went back to the sporting goods store and bought another spear for his spear gun. No. Um, so here's a big old tr- trigger warning, you guys. Oh, this one no. is brutal. Major violence towards a, a little girl oh god so if you don't want to hear it give us like three minutes skip mm-hmm. ahead mm-hmm. it won't last long and we won't talk about it again i'll be right back yeah on march 27th john put his daughter gracie to bed in her crib and then had several glasses of whiskey and coke in order to quote numb his senses mm-hmm. he once again retrieved the spear gun from his garage and loaded it with a newly acquired spear He went into his 20-month-old baby's room and fired the spear at her head, penetrating her skull. This first shot did not kill the poor girl. Mm. With his child alive and screaming loudly, John retrieved the two spear shafts without the spears, which he had early removed from his wife, and returned to the bedroom. Mm -mm. He then fired both into Gracie's skull, but she was still alive. Oh, God. So he withdrew one spear from her head and fired again finally killing her oh god he returned to gracie's bedroom the next morning and pulled the spears from her head while holding a towel in front of his face because he couldn't bear to look at her oh god no, people no, no i just the things that people are capable of mm-hmm. 
He then wrapped her tiny body in garbage bags and a tarp and bound her with black duct tape. He then disposed of her body at the Morrington dump, along with the spear gun, the spears, and some of her clothes and toys. After this was done, John phoned his mother-in-law, Anna's mother, and told her that Gracie was now with Anna in a, quote, bigger and better place. Oh my god. He then made the first of several withdrawals from Anna's bank account using her card and made a number of calls using Anna's mobile phone to maintain the impression that she was still alive. Mm-hmm. On March 29th, John visited a local hardware store where he purchased a roll of duct tape, two tarps, and an electric chainsaw. Now what's he going to fucking do? Mm-hmm. Oh, no. The following day, he dug up the body of his wife and proceeded to cut it into three pieces. Ah. Oh. He then wrapped the remains in the tarp and went back to the dump where he disposed of Anna's body and the chainsaw he used to dismember her. Oh my god. When he got back, he then sent a fake email to Anna's family in New Zealand to convince them that Anna was alive and well. This was a long email. I'm not going to read all of it. But at the end, he wrote, quote, I want to make it clear, Mum, that although I haven't rung you, I'm not angry with you or trying to punish you. Gracie is fine and was thrilled to see me when I came to collect her. It was a magic moment, and she was clinging to me like a monkey and laughing, saying, Mama. I hope you can all rest easy now that you've read this, and I'm sorry that I've told a few white lies in the past few months in relation to how stressed I am and how full-on Gracie is. Please respect and understand my wish for privacy, and take comfort in the fact that I'm about to enjoy life like I never have before. What a scumbag. Yeah. I mean, he just murdered his wife and child. And then he's and then, making these, like, fanciful scenarios. Gross. Well, it's just torture. Yes. Like, why would you put her family through that torture? Also, why wouldn't you just leave your wife and child? Just go drive away. <laughs> yeah, right? You know, there's, like, mm-hmm. a zillion different scenarios in which your wife and child don't get speared in the head. Right. And you can have a new life. Right. It will never make sense to me. Never. Nope. Rather than comfort the family, his email caused them to worry, and Anna's mother reported her daughter's disappearance to the police in New Zealand. Yeah, good. If I suddenly got an email like that from you, I'd be like, <laughs> no, hell no. If no, it wasn't just like a bunch of like F words and like a dancing gif or something, I'd be like, mm-mm. Uh-huh, right. Yeah, and it was really, I mean, the whole email was very, very long. Like yeah. the fact that he thought he could get away with that, like pulling right. it off. Right. It's stupid. It's not the turn of the century, dude. You're not, she's not like taking a ship to the new land or something. (laughs) Right. No. Nobody writes like that. Right. When the police arrived to question John, he told them that Anna had moved to the nearby Melbourne suburb of Chelsea with their daughter and denied any knowledge or involvement in her disappearance. He then arranged for flowers to be delivered in Anna's name to his mother-in-law on her birthday. During the month of May 2004, John gave several media interviews and appeared on national television to speak about Anna and Gracie's disappearance. In one interview, he said, quote, Anna, our marriage may be over, but I still love you, and you are the mother of our beautiful daughter, Gracie, whom we both adore more than anyone else. God damn it. John then claimed he had talked to his wife a week earlier and asked anyone with information on their whereabouts to come forward. In the same breath, he also maintained that she had run off with another man. John was interviewed by police on May 20th and June 10th. He stuck to his story. He claimed that she had returned to Morrington a number of times to collect clothing and personal belongings. He made a written statement to police denying any involvement in Anna or Gracie's disappearance. 
Investigators began secretly following John, hoping that he would lead them to his wife. They observed him going to a toilet block at Martha Beach in Warrington, where they later found Anna's ATM card and mobile phone in the garbage. Police also found several notes in John's handwriting that had been thrown out in different bins around Warrington. These notes detailed parts of his cover story and even backup stories. Wait, so he he just notes that he wrote? Yeah, like notes to keep his his cover story straight. God and damn it, people. he also wrote other stories as backup, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> when you write down the whole crime, it mm-hmm. defeats the purpose of committing the crime. Right. I appreciate it when you do it. It makes things much more easy to track and much more straightforward. But, mm-hmm. like, just say them out loud a few times or something. Right. Or, like, write it down if you have to and burn it. I don't know. I don't <laughs> I don't need to give anybody ideas on how to cover up a crime, but I just, it just never ceases to amaze me. Mm -hmm. It's like, you don't have to listen to every true crime podcast of all time to know that that's just a real swift way to get caught. Mm -hmm. When authorities searched the house, they found a receipt for an electric chainsaw, tarps, and duct tape. The big break in the case was when they uncovered both Gracie and Anna's blood inside the home. Oh God. On June 22nd, the police had enough evidence to arrest John. He was interviewed twice that day. At first, he denied any involvement with his wife and child's disappearance. But after talking to his family, he told police that he'd murdered Anna and Gracie. John told authorities his marriage was unhappy and that his wife was controlling and moody. He claimed she came between him and his family and siblings and prevented him from seeing them as often as he would have liked. I think that's called um, paternal responsibility, Mm. you piece of shit. Mm Mm-hmm. He also told police he, quote, was thinking of taking care of Gracie by myself and just amongst all this madness. That's when I lost the plot. When asked, well, I mean, his notes didn't, like, he couldn't write enough backstories to figure out how to incorporate (laughs) Gracie and keep her alive. Right. He's like, go to Sexy Island, live as sexy. Ah, damn it. She doesn't fit into that one either. Mm Mm-hmm. When asked why he killed Gracie, he replied, quote, the child belongs with the mother. Oh, don't even do me any favors. Mm-hmm. After searching the landfill for three weeks, police managed to find the remains of Anna and Gracie. Mm. Forensic evidence and autopsies of their bodies confirmed John was telling the truth about the way he murdered them and disposed of their remains. Oh. A lot of the articles uh, talk about the search and how awful it was, you know, yeah. just digging through tons Dark and garbage. tons of garbage and toxic waste. And Ugh. But people kept coming back. It was mostly volunteers and no way. You know, police, police force, too. But everybody was just super committed. They really wanted to find their bodies. And wow. Yeah, I know. Like, what a son of a bitch. You can't even bury them properly. Right. During the investigation, police found family letters that revealed John had a history of abusing children. What? Mm -hmm. He allegedly committed sex crimes on young members of his family and friends two decades before he killed Anna and Gracie. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. According to John's family, Anna was never told her husband was a pedophile, and they wondered if he killed her because she discovered him molesting Gracie. Uh Uh-huh, that would explain a lot more. Right. Just deciding to do it because you think she's cheating on you. Right, right. But it's never been substantiated. There's mm-hmm. no, no way to prove it. Right. 
One of his victims was a young female relative. She claims he molested her for two years until he turned 18. Mm. During the attacks, he also had another child molest her. Oh, my God. Quote, I became his prey for two years, and he always kept that power, the victim said in a chilling letter to several members of John's family. Quote, his smells still haunt me. Oh, God. The victim approached some of John's siblings in 2000 to tell them she had been molested by him. And she told police about the crimes after Anna and Gracie went missing. She's tormented by the abuse and the knowledge that reporting the abuse earlier might have prevented the murders. Mm-hmm. Quote, I fear the day that he's released. I fear for my own life and for that of my children. He's a dangerous monster, she said. She continues, John Sharp has robbed me of so much and has not been easy living with the continued pain of lost innocence, Mm -hmm. fear, and guilt from his actions. And now his more recent and most hideous crime has truly added to the mixture of fear, guilt, and disgust I have. Oh, God, I bet. When asked about his past, John's mother states, quote, John hasn't just snapped as of recent times. He has always been sick, manipulative, and sly, but none of you are ever privy enough to see that side of him. God. No. Why don't you do something about it? John's mother was not told of her son's sex crimes until after he had admitted to the murders. Wow. According to his family, when John's sex abuse victim became an adult, she confronted him about the molestation, but he told her she was a, quote, slut who deserved it. I, mm. uh. <laughs> I'm so mad right now. Yep. John then tried to apologize to the woman once he was under a police investigation over his family's disappearance. <sighs> that didn't make me any less mad. No. No. All about him. He's a manipulative piece of shit. Mm-hmm. In the lead up to the trial, John's mental health was examined. Investigators found that he had visited his general practitioner in the weeks immediately before the murders, complaining of disturbed sleep patterns. Hmm. He was prescribed two different types of sleeping pills, but they hadn't helped, and the doctor thought John might possibly be suffering from depression. Eventually, the doctor did diagnose John with depression, but that was only after a consultation after he had murdered his wife and daughter. Mm-hmm. Uh, John told him the false story of Anna leaving him for another man. The doctor found John agitated and suffering from poor memory and concentration. Looking back, these findings are not surprising, knowing the stress he must have been under trying to cover up the murders of his family. Oh, poor John. Mm -hmm. It's really stressful to dislodge spears and Mm -hmm. chop up bodies. Mm -hmm. You poor thing. Mm -hmm. A forensic psychiatrist, Dr. Lester Walton, examined John twice before the trial. He found John to be, quote, socially inept, dependent, passive, and a retiring individual who was unable or reluctant to confront problems. I think that might be my least favorite person. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like yeah. lazy and evil. Like, mm-hmm. ah. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of murderers are like that. Right. Dr. Walton believed John saw difficulties in his marriage that could not be overcome, and that the only solution to this was to kill Anna and subsequently Gracie. Besides depression, the doctor could find no evidence of psychiatric illness that led him to murder. Yeah. I think we see that a lot, too. Mm-hmm. Just, yeah, lazy murder? Is, yep. that, a, is that like a qualification? <laughs> <laughs> it is now. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's just a lazy murderer. Um, it's like yep. committing murder is a, takes a ton of work, but in the mind of a lazy murderer, it seems like the easiest way out. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Another doctor also examined John, and based on his history, information he obtained from members of John's family, when looking at the evidence from the case, he formed the opinion that leading up to the birth of Gracie, John was in a somewhat fragile psychological state. He found him to be an, quote, inadequate, isolated, and withdrawn individual. Mm-hmm. He lacked appropriate social skills and had few friends. The doctor also thought John was very dependent on his parents and lacked the psychological resources to cope with the stressors in his life, marriage, the arrival of a child, and his change of career that occurred right before the murders. Right. The difficulties Gracie experienced in her early months and Anna's announcement that she was pregnant again caused John to attribute his difficulties to her, to Anna. Mm-hmm. He told the doctor that Anna was, quote, killing him. This could mean that he thought she was killing him psychologically or that his depression was causing him to be suicidal. Mm-hmm. It was in this psychological turmoil that he bought the spear gun and began contemplating, if not deciding upon, killing his wife. Right. So for me, it just isn't quite enough. Yeah. You know? It's never enough. There's no reason to do this, but... Except for uh, insurance money. I mean, I think that's a great reason. <laughs> tons of money, like, super easy. Done. <laughs> Uh, so I was poking around and I found an article that mentions the Sharp family murders, mm-hmm. but it also goes into sort of why men in particular do this. I was to just going to bring that up. Yes. Take me there. So I'm going to read from an article titled Inside the Criminal Mind um, from the Australian. Forensic psychologist Sandy Rhea helped implement a cognitive skills program in Barton Jail, Victoria. The program aims to help offenders, quote, identify the underlying cause of their behavior when committing violent crimes. She dealt with all kinds of offenders, but it was those who had committed violent crime against women who drew her attention. Were they mad or just bad? Ooh. Evil does exist, she says, but only in a small minority. Psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Who have a strong predisposition to evil, compounded and brought about by the environment in which they grew up. Yep. Hey, guys, go right on back to the last episode and I know. listen to it if you want to hear more about that. <laughs> I know. I had most of this written when you were doing your episode nope. last time, and I was Freaking like, <laughs> riding on my coattails. No, I'm just kidding. That's awesome. Yeah. If anybody's like us, which I think we've got a lot of people out there like us, they, yes. I could listen to psychopath behavior all for the rest of my life. Tell me everything you know all yeah. the time, 24-7. <laughs> I know my wife's like, God, how? Why? I'm like, I just... I'll never know all of it. You know, I'll just never arrive at the answer. So I just keep listening. Yep. Rhea concluded that men who hurt women almost always had a longstanding history of suppressed anger or mismanagement of their emotions. Yep. They were in dysfunctional relationships and had poor familial networks. Yep. Their social skills were undernourished. Yep. They, quote, ticked all the boxes, she says. She continues, they rarely have enmeshed strategies and coping skills, the morals and values that most men have. Rhea came up with three attitudes towards women that sex offenders and perpetrators of violence against women share. Entitlement and a sense of ownership or proprietorship. Mm-hmm. Quote, these define most of the guys who reside in jail and almost all the violent offenders against women. Their actions say, I have a sense of entitlement. I want, I get. I have a sense of proprietorship. You're mine, and I will do what I want with you. Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of ownership. You, the victim, has no right to object. Yep. 
When a relationship breaks down, a man with such attitudes might complain of his partner that, quote, she won't do what I want. Mm-hmm. In extremely rare cases, a man with such attitudes and without skills for self-soothing can be moved to murder his partner or children to, quote, get back at his spouse. Yep. Rhea dismisses the common defense argument that a man who kills his family members is not responsible because he's in a dissociative state. Insanity is not a temporary or short-lived condition, she argues. Mm-hmm. Quote, it's still about ownership and proprietorship, getting back to those women and those children they see as possessions. At the moment of the crime, he is in a dissociative state, almost a psychotic state, and there is no connection between the person who is my blood, this child I am nurturing, whom I adore. There are only obsessive thoughts of, I'm going to pay my wife back big time. Right. Totally. Mm-hmm. Remorse is rarely expressed by such individuals because the underlying self-justification is implicable. Rhea says any remorse in court is also to be heavily discounted. Quote, there are very few offenders who cry at commission of their offense. They only cry afterwards, she right. says. Yep. Rhea believes we as a society need to examine how male anger is dealt with. Few young men are taught to self-soothe or self-regulate their behavior yes. until the effects become antisocial. Yes, yes, yes. Mm -hmm. John Sharp pled guilty to the murders of Anna and Gracie. Victorian Supreme Court judge handed down two life terms with a non-parole period of 33 years. Thank God. He said John's killing of his wife was, quote, singular in its barbarity, and that he murdered his daughter, quote, simply so that your first crime would not be discovered. Yep. He described the crimes as, quote, egregiously wicked. Correct. After the trial, John's mother said, quote, John's crimes were horrific, and he will serve the sentence given. He has given himself a life sentence for what he has done, and he will live with this for the rest of his life. Mm -hmm. She also described the months following the double murder as very stressful and traumatic time for both families. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't sound like his family supported him one single bit. They were really upset and horrified. Mm -hmm. Well, should have taught him a self-soothing technique mm -hmm. or two. One of John's nieces, naming herself only as Amanda, issued a statement saying it was on behalf of, quote, non-supportive family members of John Sharp. We would like to say that John's crimes have stolen three beautiful and precious lives. We also send our heartfelt condolences to Anna's family in New Zealand, whose pain and suffering is tremendous. I just can't imagine. No. Like, ugh. No. John will be eligible for parole in 2037. He was put into protective custody due to threats on his life from fellow inmates, and he remains there to this day. I bet. Good riddance. Yep. Anna and Gracie were buried together, surrounded by wreaths of red roses, pink lilies, and white daisies. Mm. They were buried under Anna's maiden name, which is Kemp. Good. Anna's family named her unborn baby, who was a boy, Francis. Oh, buddy. Gracie's birth and death certificate have both been altered to list the father as unknown. Oh, snap. Good. Mm -hmm. Fuck that guy. And there you go, guys. Wow. There's the tale of the Morrington motherfucking monster. That is the terror tale of the motherfucking monster or whatever. Yes. It's so interesting, too. Like, I, I've been thinking about this a lot, like, specifically... You know, men and their anger and their entitlement and things. And okay, er, real fast. I'm not going to go on a crazy rant about men. <laughs> <laughs> Just a heads up. Um, but it is, you know, there there are, we all have different experiences in life. Society affects us all differently. And 
men hold the power, but they also are victims to patriarchy, basically. Yes. Like they don't get to have sadness. They don't get to have anger. They don't, you know, mm-hmm. or they get to have too much anger. You know, there's just no regulating of those emotions. And so it creates all kinds of fucking chaos. Like I would say the majority of chaos is caused by the fact that we don't raise our boys right. Right. You know? Yep. And I don't think it's their fault. I mean, I do. I think you have to have accountability for your actions, but it's also like if you're raised that way, which just about every man of our generation and above was, Mm -hmm. it's going to cause a lot of fucking problems. So I won't go on and on about it, but if you are the mother or father of young boys, please teach them how to feel their feelings and talk Mm -hmm. about their feelings and don't be like my sister who doesn't listen. I'm just kidding. It's incredible (laughs) to watch my Sadie with her net with my nephews because they can identify how they're feeling. They can talk about how they're feeling. They can, you know, move through it and communicate about it. It's yeah, remarkable. But it's also been a very conscious decision. My instinct totally. is to shut it down. Yep. And I think that that's what we were, I mean, not necessarily we, but that's, you know, we're mm-hmm. taught in general as a society to not feel our feelings. And when my boys get upset and angry and cry, I it's have annoying. My, a gut reaction to be like, stop that and go away. I don't want to hear it. Right. And it takes a lot of yep. thought on my part. And I don't always do it. Yeah. You know? But yeah, it takes a lot of thought for me to stop. Yeah. And hug them and support them through their feelings. Yeah. And say, what are you feeling right now? And they can yeah. identify it. And then you right. can say, that's okay. It's okay to feel that way. What are we going to do about it? Right. Yeah. I was helping the oldest on a bike, on a big kid bike when I was down there last and he was getting really frustrated and he wanted, didn't want to follow through with it. And after a few minutes, he said, I just feel really embarrassed right now. Oh, buddy. And I just yeah. thought that was like so mature, you know, because mm-hmm. it's true. It's like embarrassed, f- afraid. You know, these mm-hmm. are the things that trigger everyone, but especially men and boys to do mm-hmm. bad behaviors, mm-hmm. you know, to get aggressive or blame it on somebody else or whatever. So, yeah, it's. If you're a grown man and you struggle with that, you can email us. We'll talk to you about it. (laughs) (laughs) I will help you identify your feelings. (laughs) Yes, it's certainly not too late. And what a freeing experience. You know, you read accounts of, you know, like white supremacists who move away from supremacy or, you know, Mm -hmm. people in like really restrictive religions or things that move out of those spaces and into like happier places in their lives. And what a weight off you know, to mm-hmm. just, to not have to feel angry and aggressive and hurtful and to just be able to feel like sad and, and embarrassed or whatever, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can relate to that too. It's like, I've realized that when I'm talking to clients, for example, you know, I work with pretty intimidating people and they're paying me a lot of money to do things. And rather than stress out, I think it's okay for me. I've started saying, I'm feeling kind of vulnerable about this. Mm -hmm. I don't just say it like a therapy session, but I can just say, you know, I'm just, I'm feeling nervous for the X, Y, and Z reasons. And people love it. Of course Mm -hmm. they respond to it. You know, it just puts it in a place where we can have an open communication and I don't have to carry all this fucking weight around. Right. And you're showing that you care about what you're working on. Good point. Yep. I hadn't really thought of that because that is really the essence of it. I'm afraid of doing a bad job. So I stress out and I ruin my own life over it and (laughs) it's not necessary. I can just 
say that to people just to, so they can put them in a better position when talking to me so that they're not stressing me out, you yep. know, and then I end up doing a, a bad job because I'm stressed, not because I'm not capable. Right. You know? Yep. We'd all be better off if we could just tell each other how we're feeling. Yeah. And then we would avoid spearing our families in the heads. So Ugh. that poor everybody, every time, poor everybody, but good work, man. That's a very timely tale, yep. a terrible tale, but terrible. a very timely tale. Yep. Little babies. No. Good job. Thanks. You're welcome. Yep. One of those stories that I can't really internalize too much because it will destroy me. So <laughs> I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh, no. Well, uh, shit. Yeah. How's your week been? Good. How's life going? Very well. It, um, it's been a good week. I feel like we talked about this last episode, but I'm feeling very empowered to make consistent change in my life and understanding what that looks like and that makes me feel happy (laughs) you know Mm -hmm. like um it's not about my happiness we've talked about this too i don't want to be like oh this is a positive thing because it's not because there's still tremendous suffering and sacrifice that's happening Mm -hmm. um but it does make me feel strong i guess is a better word Mm -hmm. to um support you know to support a movement into a better world long term so little things like buying my laundry detergent from a black owned business and shit like that, you know, just making these little adjustments every day as I go and like stopping and saying, okay, in this moment, what's going to make the world a better place and choosing Mm -hmm. that thing, even if it's a little bit more expensive or a little bit less convenient. Mm -hmm. And, um, I mean, and also donating the shit out of my money and making calls, signing petitions, you know, supporting people who are on the front lines, all of those things, sharing information, but those are the things that I'm putting into practice so that I can continue that shit long term. Booyah. Booyah. How's yeah, your week been? Awesome. <laughs> Busy. <laughs> <laughs> Sadie's tie tie. She's yeah. got a lot on her plate. Yep. Yep. My the nature of my husband's job is that the summers are very busy. So he was home a lot and now he is not home a lot. So Yeah. Yep. Too bad for kids. you. <laughs> I know. I'm just know. kidding. I'm just kidding. So yeah, just getting through yeah making sure they can feel their feelings yeah <laughs> that's, that's what i've been doing i i can't imagine <laughs> i cannot imagine uh, it would just yep. be like well and i think you know i want to make room for all sorts of things i want to do lots and lots of stuff i have to remind myself that it is about doing what you can when you can do it being aware thinking you know yeah just keeping it in your mind um, but really, my focus has had to be here in my family. Yeah. Um, which is important. And yeah. Yeah. I just it's... keep reminding myself there will be more space in my life soon. I will create more space. Right. To do more things for others. Yeah. yeah. A million percent. You know, whatever it is that you can do that you can sustain long term, like push yourself to be uncomfortable for sure. But also don't let it put you into a panic and overwhelm you so that you shut down and don't do anything. Cause I think that that's a really common reaction that we have. I had it for a really long time too. So mm-hmm. if you're feeling that, you know, just take a little baby step and start to put it into place on whatever level that is for you, all of you out there. It's okay. That's a billion percent. Okay. Right. You know? Yeah. yeah you don't have to pretend to be somebody or not to make a difference. No. So right. yep. I'll do other things. 
Yep. Yep. Like watch the Hat Man documentary, which is something I did today. <laughs> I never heard of it. I had like two hours free and I was like, I'm gonna watch a scary movie. Somehow I chose the Hat Man documentary and you guys like spooky pasta or what is it called spooky pasta creepy creepy pasta pasta. sorry god i'm old creepy pastas (laughs) and pasta what is a scary (laughs) pasta um creepy pastas and sleep paralysis and all that shit fucking man weird what's it called again the hat man so he's one of of the characters that people see at the end of the bed during sleep paralysis but oh oh, yeah you know yeah like he looks like the babadook Yes. There's like the old woman. Ugh, there's a, a cat character that I think is kind of the old woman. Yeah. Ugh. So it's, it's, um, it's not, it's, I would say it's a good documentary, but they do a lot of, um, like tele interviews, like zoom interviews basically. Mm-hmm. And so the quality isn't the best, which I was kind of grateful for because I think I would have just fully like shit my pants because I would have been so scared. <laughs> this was just two hours ago, like broad yeah. daylight watching. No, I'm pretty scared just by you telling me yes! a little bit about it. Yes. It's pretty fucking spooky. And then when they bring it into like Judaism and all this like ancient <laughs> lore and things, I was like, mm-mm. Yep. <laughs> people seeing him in waking hours and stuff. And get, oh, there was like God. people like him in the back of photographs. Oh. Ah! Where did you watch it? It's I think it was on Prime. Oh, God. Okay. I have no idea how it came across my plate. <laughs> well, they, you've tapped into the logarithm. Shit oh, watch. yeah. I feel really bad, too, because we live in a vacation community, and I have a vacation home that people rent, and I share my Amazon with those people. Oh, God. <laughs> and I watch a lot of horror uh... movies, and so I'll watch <laughs> one or five, and then I'll, like, put on, like, uh, Mr. Holland's opus and you know, like, <laughs> save it. Yeah, exactly. And just bury it down oh, the no, line because no. if you have an Amazon Fire Stick, you know, everything you recently watched is all in a line right. of itself. <laughs> La Bamba. And just like push it a bit far back so that people can't immediately so doesn't funny. pop up like a ton of horror movies. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yep. I've been watch or I watched uh, Lennox Hill on Netflix. Yeah. Oh man, is it, was it good? Like, yeah, it's just a reality show about doctors, and Oof. it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. I, Did you me, finish Shit's Creek? I haven't yet. No. What you are a maniac? I know. I just... I know. We took a. I'm because my husband's working. So oh much. right, I forgot that he, Ryan's life's so crazy. Right, so, right, right. Yeah, we. I've been waiting for him to home mm-hmm. which isn't gonna happen for a while so yep yep and you watched yeah. all the queer eyes i finished all oh the yeah queer eyes. yep did <laughs> laura won't like we really have to space them out because she's like i don't want to be all puffy tomorrow i don't oh, want to cry God. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right so we got shout out yes we got some new patreon supporters one hey, shout ah out. shout out <laughs> somebody's jumping over there early because we're gonna like i said before we're gonna be putting half of our content on patreon as of like mid of mid july we'll keep giving you a countdown so you still got some time but yep pretty soon gonna have to give us at least three bucks a month if you want (laughs) to listen to the rest of what we have to say who is it sarah m welcome to the killer squad (laughs) sarah m (laughs) welcome to the Yay. 
heaping pile of Eccles cakes that we are <laughs> amassing. We are very happy to have you. Ecolite Club. Ecolite Club. Yeah, we just, I don't know if you're ever going to get names, you guys. No, that's all right. No, gorgeous angel society <laughs> of sickos. That's right. Thank you, Sarah, yes. so much for supporting us. We're very happy to have you. Huge difference. You'll be getting some goodies in the mail soon. Yep. Anything else? I don't think so, guys. All just, right. I think we are less shadow banned. So if you want to find us on Instagram, you can find oh, yeah. us. Yep. It seems like it's lifted. The shadow yeah. has passed. We probably, if we release this on Saturday, we might be doing the Oh, drawing. thank you. Yes. I did mean to say that. We're doing a drawing. If you're hearing this on Saturday, June, whatever that is, 27th or something? Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Yes, June, Saturday, June 27th. You still have time. I think we'll probably do the drawing on Sunday. So go to Instagram, tag three friends. We have six openings this time. Mm -hmm. Um, Really good prizes. Yes. Four of them. You can either purchase something from a black owned business worth $50 or donate that $50. And then you get other goodies. They will kill stuff. And then two of them is just, they will kill stuff, but you can go on Etsy. You can go any, I mean, anywhere. You can just buy yourself something for $50 as long as it's from a Black-owned business. If you want some suggestions, I've spent a lot of time browsing the Black-owned business section of Etsy. And if not enough people sign up, I'm just going to buy myself something from Mm Black-owned Etsy because it's gorgeous over there. Yep. These little ring holders. I don't even need a ring holder, but these little hands with some like Mm -hmm. golden flowers embedded in them. Beautiful jewelry. Wallets. I don't have my ears pierced, but those earrings that I posted on Instagram are fucking cool. Lampshades. Men's stuff. There's men's products. Anyway. Go check it out. Please do. They will kill on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Go to our website. Website. Our website (laughs) is theywillkill.com. And our Gmail is theywillkillpodcast at gmail.com. Also known as our email. I'm not going to just start saying (laughs) Gmail me. Nope, not giving you that power, Google, you powerful, powerful sons of bitches. Start calling like Gmail. Gmail. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, now that you put it like that. (laughs) Gmail. Gmail. Gmail us at (laughs) they will kill podcast at (laughs) gmail.com. Wait, review, subscribe, please. Yes, please. Thank you, AJ Bergans, for our music. I'm allowed officially to announce that he and my beautiful sister-in-law, Sandra, are having twins. Yay! I hope they named them. over here is, I'm just so excited. Oh, God, they're going to be very attractive babies, Uh first of all, and talented and so sweet. So sweet. They're the best parents. Smart. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You hope they're going to name them what? I don't know, like Jeffrey Courtney and, and Jeffrey and Lundgren. Yeah, <laughs> Jeffrey, Courtney, and Sadie Lundgren. Bergitz. <laughs> you hear that, guys? Uh, yeah. If, Cor- if you don't, Courtney, if you don't Jeffrey, do it, we're Bergitz. <laughs> if you don't, we'll sue those babies <laughs> as soon oh, as they're born. Yes. Infant litigation. Infant litigation. <laughs> Uh, uh, and remember i'm gonna sue your babies everybody's babies gonna get subpoenaed gonna get 
deposed. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to get um, emancipated. Yes, Uh, bring that. I was thinking about that today. I'm going to emancipate you from your babies for Is it emancipate? Yeah. Okay. Yep. I'm gonna I'm gonna represent your babies and have them become emancipated from you. So there you look go, out. guys. There you Thanks go. Thanks for listening. <laughs> love you. We Goodbye. love you so much. Goodbye. Goodbye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.